You are listening to episode 14 of the Gracefield CEO podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit longer and a little bit different, but in the best way. I'm having my first guest on the podcast, and I don't think I could have chosen a better person. Elizabeth Cook is going to join me here in a few and talk to us about using our natural abilities and leveraging them to grow our business well. In this episode, it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur or if you're building your team. There is something in this episode for everyone, so let's dive in. Welcome to the Gracefield CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Jillian Dalberry, an online business manager for creatives who are scaling their business while focusing on what matters to them. I'm so excited to bring an honest and energizing take on being a CEO while you raise your family. In case no one has told you recently, it's possible to rock at both. Every episode will include actionable steps that will encourage and empower you to build a business that supports your family and that thrives through systems, strategy, and most importantly, heart. Join me on this journey to becoming a grace-filled CEO. This episode is brought to you by a service that I offer that I think could be so beneficial for you and your business. I offer one-on-one strategy sessions. There is no further commitment if you feel like you just need that one-on-one time to break through something in your business. In this call, we dig into where your business stands today, where you want it to go, and we'll really dig into those conflict areas and places where you feel stuck and have concerns, and we'll work through some of those creative ways to overcome those obstacles. We'll also think through the next steps of your business. You'll leave the call with a recording and an activation plan to get moving towards your goals. You can book the call immediately on the website or just email me at hello at jilliandalberry.com and I can send you all the information you need to sign up. Now let's get to the show. I am so excited to welcome Elizabeth Cook to the show today. She is a team consultant who specializes in Colby testing results and helping people leverage their natural abilities and talents to grow their business. So welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, Jillian. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So Tell me a little bit about who you are, um, what service you offer, and who do you offer it to? Yes. So I work with the Colby, as you mentioned. It's uh, If you haven't heard of it before, it's K-O-L-B-E. It's an assessment that gives insight on how you best use your time and energy. And I work mostly with entrepreneurs, and there's several different ways you can use the Colby to help you understand how you're going to show up best in your work, can help inform kind of how you're going to go about making decisions, solving problems, growing your business. And then when it gets really exciting is how you can use it when you're working with a team or even working with your clients to understand kind of where you might frustrate each other and then how to communicate better so that uh, you have great collaboration and, and not friction. Yeah, I'm actually excited to talk more about that too, because I've taken the Colby. I've actually taken it twice. The first time I took it was in 2020, actually. So we all know that that was a very transitional year. And basically my test reflected that. (laughs) My results reflected that. So I took it again, probably about six months ago. And it was so clarifying for me to be able to see the way it, it like taught me how I operated, which I think would be really valuable information to people that I work with so that they are able to choose the right person to work with everyone else on their team. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought up that transition result 
which was your original result, because I often have people ask me after they take it, how do I know this is right? Or I thought I would be, you know, more in this number, or I thought it was different. And how do I know it's right? And what you described that it's it's called a transition result. And usually it does show up when people are actually in some form of transition. But that's the result you get if you're contradicting yourself or uh, if Colby can't get like a good enough read. And so if you didn't get a transition result, you can trust it's probably valid. But that's what we do when we sit down together and go through what an interpretation where we really uh, go through mode by mode and validate the result and talk about how it's showing up for you, how you're leveraging that. That's one of the ways if you get your four numbers back, you you can trust that that's a valid result. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think another thing that I was thinking when you were saying that was even though the transitional result is unclear. Essentially, it's unclear because you're going through a transition. And I was actually going through the transition of becoming an OBM from a VA position during that time. So it makes Mm -hmm. complete sense. Mm -hmm. So even though it was a transitional result and it didn't give me clear numbers, it identified that I was unclear. There was still truth to it. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that. It it wasn't some false idea identification of like where I fell in the spectrum. It was more so saying, you know, I think you have some things internally that you need to work on and figure that out. And then when I took the test the second time, it was so much more clear. I'm so glad you said that because I've heard I've heard several other people say that, that it feels very validating actually when they get that transition result, because often people who are in transition are in burnout or approaching burnout or something's happening where they're they're often really trying very hard to meet expectations but maybe they have varying expectations or unclear expectations because of a change in in role and often people do feel just affirmed that yeah this is hard right now i'm in a hard place and then it's great so what happens with colby when you get a transition result they encourage you to wait 30 or 60 days and then you retake it and you complimentary to Colby, you don't have to pay for it, you know, to retake it. And those have been some of the most satisfying conversations when I meet with someone the second time and they now have a result and it went so much easier for them the second time and, and they understand why they were in transition and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that Colby doesn't make you pay for it again. Yes. And it's actually one of the things as a consultant, if someone is in trans- in transition, they really strongly encourage you to meet with that person face to face and and guide them through it and make sure you follow up so that they can get a valid result because that's a big part of their mission is helping everyone understand their strengths. So uh, it, it's it's kind of a um, something we all pay attention to as consultants if someone has a transition result. So if you are listening and you have had a transition result and haven't retaken it. Uh, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to Colby directly, and let's make sure we get you a valid result. Yeah, that's awesome. I recommend you actually reach out to Elizabeth because I feel like you just handled the whole thing for me. And it was so helpful that somebody else just said like, hey, here's your new link. Here's what you need to do. So I recommend you reach out to Elizabeth specifically. So tell me a little bit about how this compares to other informative tests. Like, I, I don't feel like this necessarily can be filed under a personality test, but then I, then again, I feel like that's such a broad term. 
So how does it compare to things like the DISC assessment and the human design test and the Enneagram and all the others? I think 16 personalities is another one that people typically take. So how does it compare to those? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. So I am an assessment junkie. I love them all. (laughs) And I think they all uh, can provide a lot of value. But Colby is different from all of those that you mentioned. It is not a personality test. It does not measure your social style or what you value or your preferences or your intelligence. It is measuring how the instinctive ways you take action, like how you approach problem solving. And unlike some of the others that you mentioned, which are more of a snapshot and might change over time, Colby has been validated that people have taken it decades later and not gotten a sign that the result is scientifically the same. It might be like one point one way or the other, but uh, not a significant change. And so it's once you take it once, you don't have to retake it, you know, that's your result. And so the other thing that compared to the others, and I, I think I've taken most of them. And when I was pursuing becoming certified, I did look into some of the others. And the reason why I chose Colby is it is is not going to change over time. So in terms of an organization using it, you know, you can trust that this is a result you can make decisions on and it's it's valid and, and reliable. And it it really is how you how you're going to approach solving that problem and using your time and energy in the best possible way. So it's very powerful. It's compared to some of the others. Some of the others, when I saw my results, I understood it a little bit easier in the very beginning. Uh, Colby, I do feel like it's uh, worth meeting with a consultant who can really help you apply it and understand how to, how to use it in your life and in your business. But it's had the most significant change in terms of really understanding things I can do differently to work with my strengths. Yeah, I love that. I think the way that my brain is processing that is that it really identifies how you operate. And I like the fact that it doesn't focus on like emotion. This is how you operate as a person and as someone in the professional space. It's not about how you respond when someone doesn't give you credit for something. You know, like it's mm-hmm. not how your emotions fluctuate. It's more about how you function in a professional environment and how you work best. Yeah, and that's one of the things why I love to bring it into teams is sometimes when you're working together and there's some type of conflict, I always think it's helpful to, once you know Colby, it can tease out where that conflict might be in terms of like, you might think that the conflict is because you have the wrong person in terms of their skill set. And you might think it's a skill set, they don't have the right training for the job. Or you might think it's a personality conflict or like a, a value misalignment if you're frustrating each other. And so then you might be trying to solve a different problem. But once you understand if it's something that Colby addresses in terms of just how you're approaching that problem and tease that out, and then you can work from that perspective, it just removes so much of like the bigger umbrella of conflict and and it can help how you communicate. It might be helpful to give an example here. 
uh, so that people kind of understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so I'll give an example on the quick start mode. When you take the Colby, you get four different numbers in four different modes. Quick start is one of them, and that's how you approach risk and uncertainty. In this one, like you, for example, you're in the middle zone in this mode. So you're, uh, we call it like the react zone. It, it means you're responding to people at both ends of the continuum. Like so at one end of the continuum are the people who are continually, they have a need to innovate or a need to experiment. And at the other end of the continuum, uh, you have people that need to bring stability and they're minimizing risk and they're kind of scanning the idea for they're, they're trying to protect what's working. So on that range, and you're in the middle. So in terms of you, you working with others, I can imagine as an online business manager, that is an incredible strength for you to bring because the, the whole idea there is if you are working with a team and you have people like maybe the leader, the CEO is a visionary. And so they're at the end where they need to innovate and experiment. And maybe some of the people who are doing the implementation on their team are um, at the stability, which is a great combination, but then you can come in between them and serve as this bridge. And so maybe you take the vision of the leader, but you're able to package it in a way to present it to the other people on the team who, who are doing the work in a way that feels, the, feels like it's a doable option. And you're, you're kind of being the, the bridge between the two of them and kind of translating the message. Does that feel like how, how you operate when you're working with the team? Absolutely. Because I have a client who is high on the quick start and then the implementation person, the assistant is very low. <laughs> they're, more, they're more high on the fact finder side. Right. So like you said, being able to bridge that gap. And and I love that you brought conflict into it as well, because I'm a little bit nerdy when it gets down to conflict, because I think it's, so, I'm really passionate about conflict without casualties. And that is a book that I read several years ago that has stuck with me so deeply in business ownership. And it's basically identifying conflict as we are here, but we want to be here. Like mm -hmm. that's all it is. There's not, it, there's no emotion. It's just we are at A, we want to be at B. And so the whole point of that is bridging the gap between A and B. And that's exactly what you just said, mm -hmm. is bridging the gap between this person who operates this way and the other person who operates this way and making sure that they can actually work together when they're very, very different and making sure that everything is seamless and smooth and there's some oversight happening between the beginning and the end of the project so that it actually run smoothly together. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because, and the idea behind Colby is that great teams have people in the different modes, even though you are more likely to frustrate each other, you know, the farther away you are on that continuum, you also are more likely when you're working well together to get problems solved more efficiently and faster because you have these different, you're not like getting stuck in the same place. You know, like if mm -hmm. everyone on the team led in the quick start mode that we were talking about, it could lead to chaos because you might be trying too many different ideas at once with no one checking, like how many resources do we have? How long is this going to take? 
So the idea is that bringing these different approaches together is really going to create a team that operates at the highest levels. And it also may create some potential conflict. But when you recognize that's the cause and not like somebody just being a pessimist, like for the people who are on the other end of this mode we're talking about who stabilize, they're wonderful to have on your team, like the assistant you mentioned, because they might be pointing out places that things you haven't thought of in terms of some risk to the ideas are pointing out, clarifying the deadlines of how long it might take or other tasks that are on the plate and, you know, that are due in this quarter. So they might be the ones who can, you know, they're, they're kind of pointing out those risks because their goal is to protect and preserve what's already working well. And you want people on your team who are really focused on protecting and preserving. But if you didn't know that that was their approach, it might seem like they were a wet blanket or a Debbie Downer kind of always poking holes in all of your ideas. And there's specific strategies. There's several specific strategies if you have a team like that that's kind of more polarized in a mode. One of the best strategies is to bring in someone like you who's in that middle zone that can talk to the visionary. And maybe the visionary is saying, oh my goodness, we need to change everything by tomorrow and all of these things are wrong and we need. To, I have all these new ideas and I want to change everything. And then maybe you go to the person who is in the um, uh, stabilized mode and, and you say, well, we don't really need to change everything. Could you change? They really need A, B, and C changed. Could we do that by tomorrow? And they're like, yeah, okay, I can do that. And then you know, you're kind of translating and uh, navigating between both of those. So you're taking the the vision uh, of the the leader or whoever it is who initiates in Quick Start, but then you're wrapping it up in a in a viable practical solution for the other people at the other end. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, as you were saying that too, I was thinking, I love how the Colby test highlights everyone's value. It's mm. not about what they lack. It's about what they have to work with. And oftentimes as the middleman or the bridging the gap person, it's about taking the value and the where each person is strong and merging them together to have a stronger force together. And um, it's the difference between thinking someone's not a good fit in your business or to work right. alongside of you in your business too, rather than having just a different perspective of how to best utilize their talents and skills. And when you're so far apart on that spectrum, you do need a middleman to diffuse and connect everyone back together. So, oh yes, I love that. I I want to I want to hear more about what else we can learn from the Colby? Because you talked about the four pillars and we talked about quick start, but what are the other three that we could chat through and learn about? Yes. So your first number is fact finder. So that's how you gather and share information. Um, and one of the best, just I'll just share a quick tip on this mode, no matter where you are. So the idea is people at one end go really specific and deep into the details. They have like all the justifications of their reasoning. And at the other end, it's more like bottom line people who they just want, they want to get the gist of something. But when you're working together as a team, the idea is uh, it'll be most productive as a team if you go to the bottom line first. So even if like I'm an eight in fact finder. So uh, if you ask me 
for my opinion on any decision. I'm going to have a lot of pros and cons. I'm going to have, you know, a whole long list. But when I'm working, I know when I'm working with a group, most people probably, even without knowing their Colby, probably don't need as much data as I needed to reach the conclusion. So I'm just going to start with the the end in mind, or I'm going to start with the summary and then invite them to ask more questions. And this is something for me as just in talking to people has really changed how I interact with prospective clients and clients in terms of which has made me so much more efficient, like in email communication, I've started to flip the script. You know, maybe in the beginning, I was kind of using several paragraphs to explain the whole process. And then the last paragraph was like what I need for them to do next. I've started flipping that and just starting with that. And then maybe as an attachment, I have a PDF with the process if they want to learn more. Mm, Yeah, I like that. Uh, So the second mode is follow through. Now, this is where you lead. So we were talking about in quick start, uh, you're in that middle mode, which serves as a bridge, but you lead in follow through. And it's a little deceiving, the term. It doesn't necessarily mean like people can follow through on a task no matter where they are in the mode. But follow through really has more to do with how you organize and design, like how much structure and systems you need to create when you're approaching solving a problem. And so you lead with that. So you naturally create structure, create systems, which I mean, this is such a uh, beautiful demonstration of what I imagine shows up a lot for you in your work. So if you think about this mode, kind of like all of them, you're pressing the gas. You're at the end that's like insisting on operating that way. Whereas at the other end are people who are kind of pressing the brakes on system and structure. So those might be people, and you might recognize some of them that you might have worked with before. They, where you create structure, they might tend to find a shortcut or even like break the system that you've created possibly. When you said that to me before, that, that, I I really identified with that specifically. So I'm glad you worded it that way. Yes, because they just don't need as much structure themselves if they're at the other end in order to solve a problem. That's just not how they naturally operate. So even the idea of of doing things in a really systematic way or having a lot of checkboxes or having a lot of structure could be uncomfortable to them. I had One client described it as she had worked in a corporate job. She's now an entrepreneur because there was a lot of structure and she had all, everything she did, there were all of these really detailed processes and she could see a shortcut. That's one of the gifts they bring. They can often take a 12-step process and look at it and see how you might could get there in four steps, which is Mm going to help the whole team be more productive. Well, she could see how she could get to the result they wanted without all of those steps, but where she worked, that was not an option. She had to do all of those steps. And she said, it just felt like she was wearing an itchy sweater all day long, every day. Like the way she had to work felt like an itchy sweater. And, And that's one of the Things that's so beautiful about Colby and when you understand it is once you know how you naturally operate, and especially if you're an entrepreneur, you can design your day, your week, you know, so that you're working with your strengths. And so you don't have to have those itchy sweater moments. And um, yeah, so 
that and that was because she resists. She's in the um, uh, on follow through. She's at the other end of the continuum than you are, and so those all of that structure just felt too rigid for her. I love that we, as an online business owner, we have an opportunity to really focus on people and where their strengths are. I think that you know I came from a corporate environment as well, and it was you were hired for a job and it was just something that you did and you were bound by the requirements of that job. And it really didn't matter what you were strongest at, as long as you had what they felt like you needed, whatever it was going to take to get the job done, they hired you for it. And, but you're kind of stuck in this box. There's oftentimes not in a, a place to be flexible with people's talents and skills when everything is so structured that way. And I I know I'm a little off topic, but I just feel like we have an opportunity as online business owners to structure our business in a way that supports people's strengths. And I feel like the Colby test informs us of, of the ways that we can do that. Yeah, no, I don't think that's off topic at all. That's actually, I mean, that's very much the part of it that excites me the most because most of the the entrepreneurial teams that I'm working with are small, right? You know, they might have five to seven team members, sometimes even three. I'm, I'm doing a team session uh, next month for, for a team of three. And so when you have a small team like that, it is so critical that like everyone is engaged and kind of operating on all cylinders, you know, and working with their strengths. You're going to be, you're going to get the most fulfillment and the most productivity and just the best work out of everyone. You really can't afford to have somebody who is um, working against their strengths because they're not going to be as engaged and they're not going to be as as efficient and productive and not going to enjoy their work. The idea behind this is you can operate in in ways that don't come naturally to you, like based on Mm -hmm. your Colby for short stints. It's not that you, um, like if you have a, a value that uh, or you just know, or you're convinced because of what's needed in the business, you could operate outside of your strength zone for a given period of time. But the idea is it's going to lead to burnout eventually, or it's going to leave you feeling really drained at the end of the day, like mentally drained because you're operating in a way that's not the best use of your time and energies. And there's all sorts of, you know, hacks or tips that, that Colby provides for when you need to do that. I work with a lot of solopreneurs too, and sometimes there's things in their job that they just have to do that's outside of their strengths. And there are tips for how you can do that without it being completely derailing and and draining you for a short stint. The idea is we want everybody, uh, if we can, allow for that to be working in their strengths most of the time. Yeah, I love that. What other pillars do we have left? Uh, Yes. So the third one in the four numbers is quick start, which we have talked about, and that's how you deal with risk and uncertainty. And then the last one is the most confused one, I think, for people. It's called implementer. And so people think it means like whether or not you implement, and it doesn't. Kathy Colby has since said she would change it to demonstrator. It's all about how you manage physical space and tangible items. And so someone at one end of the continuum, uh, someone who leads with Implementer, they would have a need to really 
to demonstrate something like with a model or with a prop or have to like physically get up and walk the space where people at the other end, they envision, they imagine in their heads and uh, they don't need, it's kind of like abstract thinking versus concrete thinking. It is, I'll say in the online service-based businesses, which is almost exclusively who I'm interacting with, um, it's not as relevant. Uh, And most people are in that one, two, and three on that, which is where you and I both sit in that mode as well, Uh, where it would come up more in terms of like needing more of that implementer strength is if you had a product business uh, where, where it's important that someone is really checking the pieces for durability and quality, things like that. Well, I like the fact that it could, that the Colby can also kind of translate between different forms of business, different types Mm -hmm. of businesses, like you said, and we're talking about it specifically from the online business standpoint. So how do we, so now that we know like where, what each of those four pillars are, what they mean, how do we now take this information after our test and leverage that in our business? Great question. Well, the first thing I would do is suggest you sit down with me and let's have a session to <laughs> interpret your results. First of all, so that you can, I mean, when you when you take the assessment, you do get like an 18-page report that that goes over it. But almost always when I meet with people, they say, I I looked at it, but I really didn't fully understand it, or I have a lot of questions, or you know, yes, this sounds like me, but I'm not quite sure uh, what to do with it. There's lots of ways that that you can use it. We talked a lot about the team part in terms of um, when you're working with the team, but even if you don't have a team yet, uh, you can definitely use it for helping you come up with some ways to work better with your clients or prospective clients. Uh, Just for example, for you in the follow-through mode, because you lead in that and create a lot of structure, you might create like a form before somebody gets on a call with you that just for example, is is really detailed or ask a lot of questions. And that would be something I would say to you just to watch out for that if you're working with business owners, that might be a, a stumbling block for them if they have to fill out a really detailed form because they might be at the other end on follow through. And those are actually the people that you can help the most, you know, because they, they're the ones that really need you. But if you were to create too much structure just for them to hop on a call with you, that, that could be an obstacle that you just don't want to create for people. So just understanding, understanding, even if you don't know the other person's Colby, kind of understanding the range where people might be and knowing where you sit can help you approach others with that in mind. There's all sorts of other ways too, in terms of articulating your strengths. Like for you, yours is such a great match for the work you do that we could really work on some different phrases and and stories to highlight specifically how your strengths are showing up in the work you're doing. So that might become part of your kind of your messaging by really bringing up some of the things that the Colby has, has shared about you. The other thing I think it helps the most with is as a business owner, is kind of deciding how to set up your week, your just own productivity and time management, and where you might get stuck in terms of procrastinating 
all of those things, Colby shares, Colby has insights on that. So in a call, that's something we could work on in terms of uh, what's going to work best for you. Productivity is a big one. I, I'm, I listen to a lot of things on productivity and it's gotten to the point now I almost can't listen anymore because so many people teach it from a kind of one size fits all. And it is absolutely based on uh, what you learned about yourself through Colby, you would, could help you kind of customize your own productivity. Yeah. And again, back to the opportunity that we have, I feel like we have the opportunity to customize our days and customize <laughs> what our workflows look like to support that in ourselves. And I think that's probably one of the most valuable things about being an entrepreneur is being able to have that flexibility and lean into the strengths that I know that I have. I will say on the contrary to that, being an entrepreneur, it is we are at risk of being put into this overwhelmed burnout stage in our business and those are the moments where we are not our we're not operating as our best selves and we are taking on too much and that's why it, I feel like it's so important to have someone else who can kind of check you and say, okay, I see that you're struggling with this. Here is where I can help take this off of your plate based on this knowledge from the Colby that it provides. Yeah, absolutely. And that is because uh, once you understand how you naturally approach it, you can see where you might could partner with others, whether that is a team member or even just an accountability partner or someone that, you know, it doesn't necessarily even have to be someone that you're hiring, but just how you can, uh, where you might need to partner with others. Like for example, on the follow through mode where you create systems, other people like me, I'm in that middle on that mode. And so for me, it's going to be the best use of my time to, um, purchase a template, for example, like uh, I think you use ClickUp as well. And so do I. And I love ClickUp and I really enjoy it a lot. I could spend all day long trying to learn all the things and figure it out. But because I don't naturally create that process and structure myself, I can, but it's going to take me more time and energy. I just know now I'm going to go purchase a template or pay for a session to work with somebody to help me get started and then I can maintain it. I'm going to tweak it. I might change it a lot to work for me and, and enjoy that whole process, but I'm not going to create it from scratch because that's just not the best way to use my time and energy. I love the, the terms time and energy interacting together. I have a freebie called Managing Your Boundaries, Energy, and Time, mm. like a CEO. And I feel like that's the secret sauce, right? To help us yes. feel really balanced in our business, knowing, and I believe the Colby goes hand in hand with this, informing us where we need to set boundaries, how we need to be spending our energy and our time, because those things are like our energy and our time are both finite. We don't have ample amounts of those to just hand out to people. And so I think we have to be really, really intentional in using those. And I believe that the Colby really helps to support knowing how, like creating the formula of what to do, how to spend your time and your energy. I know you coach people on this and you, you consult with them on it. How, I don't know what you can share, if anything. <laughs> you can leave out people's names, whatever you need to do, but I would love to hear like a case study or a real story of how this has affected someone in their business and really helped them grow. Mm, good question. Even in terms of like how I have 
been able to use it, it affirmed for me, it affirmed, looking at the numbers affirmed that I could be the bridge between the CEO and Mm -hmm. the executive assistant. And I know for me that that empowered me to be the bridge, not necessarily to get frustrated that they weren't on the same page, but to then be empowered to bridge that gap. So I don't know if you've experienced any other um, stories like that before. Yes. Um, I'll share a couple. So on the bridge one, uh, I was working with a team of five and um, the person who was in the integrator role, they they operate on like EOS. She, the first time she got a transition result and uh, she was new to the team. So that was probably part of it. And then when she took it a couple of weeks later, she came back where you are in that middle zone on quick start and the team, otherwise everyone else was polarized, you know, Mm -hmm. the leader and one other person on the team initiated in quick start and the other two people on the team resisted in quick start. And so that really having that conversation with her, especially after when she got the transition result, she was a little nervous, right? Cause she was the last one hired on this team and she was still figuring out her and she was brought in to do that, to kind of mediate between the, the leader who was the visionary and the other team members. So once she got that result back, it was so empowering for her to realize like, oh, actually her Colby actually shows that she's really well suited to play the exact role that, that she's been hired to play. The other examples I thought of as you were talking is with the CEO and their assistant. This is probably where it comes up the most often in when I'm working with people is it can provide some great insights on how to work better with with your assistant. Like for example, people who initiate and follow through where you are, they often one of their strengths is that they drive projects to completion. Like they are going to close the loop they're going to check off all of the boxes and and bring it home. And often they, if you throw them off track or interrupt them a lot, that's going to be a frustration. And really people at the other end, that's not the case. Like they're okay being interrupted, you know, based on what Colby says. So one of the suggestions I was working with a CEO and a new assistant in the role And so I recommended to her that she have, and part of her role as an assistant was to, you know, adjust to rapidly changing demands throughout the day, but she also was leading in that follow-through mode. So I suggested that she work with the assistant to come up with some time at the beginning and the end of the day, even if it wasn't every day, maybe it was at the end of the week, uh, where they come up with a certain amount of time that's blocked off on the calendar that the assistant's working, but is not needing to respond, you know, that she can have her head down, kind of door shut, even though she's working virtually, um, but that everybody knows she's working, but she's off limits so that she can close all of those loops, that that would just, you know, create this uh, less frustration for her, even though a lot of her day is going to be interruptions, like that's just the nature of the job. But by knowing she has that time uh, that she knows she can count on, okay, in this period of time, I can close all of those loops, is going to make it more satisfying for her. Yeah, I love the idea of thinking creatively around those situations and thinking of creative solutions to support your team based Mm -hmm. on what the results are and how they operate. So this is all such valuable information. I feel like we just got 
a consulting session from you. And that makes me so happy. <laughs> I know that people are so grateful for um, all the value that you've shared with us today. So I just want to thank you for being here, for sharing all of this knowledge with us about the Colby, about what you do. How can people get in touch with you or find you? Thanks for asking. My website is elizabethcookconsulting.com and that's the best way to find me. And I hang out on LinkedIn. So I'm Elizabeth Cook on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been a great episode. I'm so grateful that you were with us today. Thanks, Jillian. That's it for the episode today. I'm so glad you guys joined me for episode 14. I would love to hear what your thoughts are on this episode and what action steps you take moving forward. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review below. Reviews are so important. It's how people like you find this podcast, and it's how we're able to find our fellow grace-filled CEOs to go on this journey with. Talk to you soon.